This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. We've seen a noticeable rise in the last couple of years of visual illusions and other trickery on big digital out-of-home screens and other surfaces presented as real screens when they're not. There's enough of it that observers have started giving it names like virtual out-of-home, fake, doe, or the one I like, photo. Arguably, the most notable ones involve Dubai landmarks. A giant empty picture frame in that city turned into an Adidas billboard celebrating Lionel Messi's World Cup win, or a giant Barbie taking a step in a plaza, with the Burj skyscraper looming in the immediate background. They're fun and noteworthy, but if people got in their cars to go have a look in person, they'd be disappointed because they're totally computer-based compositions overlaid on surfaces that don't actually have screens and it absolutely happens. David Title of the New York creative technology shop Bravo Media goes back and forth with me a lot about this stuff on social media. While we both have a problem with CGI creative presented as real when it isn't, we have differing opinions on its validity and value. In this podcast, we get into what's going on, how it's done, the good and the bad, and interesting things like the legal implications of running a photo ad overlaid on a real screen that the media owner otherwise sells. It's a fun half hour. David, thank you for joining me. Uh, We've chatted once before, but that was in your offices in New York. Can you give me a rundown of what Bravo Media does, first of all? Sure. Bravo is a creative production studio with a very sort of direct focus on real world, real time experience. And for us, that sort of splits almost down the middle between working on events across trade shows, conferences, activations, launches, and then working on projects within the built environment around corporate environments and retail display and hospitality and immersive attraction and sort of combining the world of visual content, animation, 2D and 3D modeling, video, along with interactive development and design. Would you liken yourself more to an agency or like a solutions provider because i know you a, a lot of the stuff you do is is, is involved involving yeah. some hardware as well like you've got to figure that part out yeah we sort of straddle a lot of those traditional sort of titles we work with agencies quite often to help them execute projects that they have developed with their clients we also work directly with clients across a lot of areas especially in the b2b space on projects in which we're helping from ideation right through delivery. And on the hardware side, we really partner across the board with folks in the, in the AV and hardware space uh, from, from LED providers and integrators and uh, the manufacturers and, and all those folks that, you know, today all have to come together. You know, the thing that's so challenging and exciting about kind of the idea of experiential marketing is it does require 
a swath of people with different specialties and you know mm-hmm. any place that's saying they were doing it alone is is either lying or doing it badly right uh, I, I know it's always difficult to talk about projects that you've worked on because a lot of your customers don't allow you to say anything but are, are there ones that you can reference that uh, people might be familiar with uh, sure. I mean, I think a couple of things that have been fun for us that are sort of out in the public eye. I know uh, NFL season is starting up again shortly, and we got to work on a pretty exciting project as they were building out the new NFL broadcast studios, network studios uh, next to SoFi Stadium. And we helped create this pretty phenomenal piece of the studio called the Duke, which is a uh, half of a giant extruded glass and metal football but mm. each pane of glass is actually uh, reactive uh, so that it can go from opaque to transparent in a microsecond and then fully projection mapped uh, so that we're able to go from this clear display that people walking behind it can see through to the show floor and turn it into a full-fledged display for on-air graphics. And right. uh, that was a really fun piece. Got to collaborate with you know some really excellent uh, folks across the space and uh, it's fun to see it on TV. Uh, and see the differences in, in how it's been used over the last couple of years. Yeah, you also did that QSR in Times Square. Are you allowed to talk about that one? Uh, the uh, the Revlon spot. Uh, I'm I'm thinking donuts. Oh yeah, we did the uh, Krispy Kreme uh, experience uh, for the Times Square sort of flagship for Krispy Kreme. Okay. So you can and talk about that. <laughs> no, no, we can talk about that a little bit. Okay. We created what uh, what we called the donut theater experience. And and part of the fun of that shop is that you actually, as you're waiting in line for your donuts, you're standing watching their fully automated sort of donut production line do its magic tricks. Uh, And we enhance that with a whole bunch of projection, including projecting on their glazed waterfall, uh, doing tracked projections onto donuts, which required creating a piece of software called Is That a Donut? Uh, which has been, you know, fun to use in other projects, and uh, and a whole integrated system of little shows that happen throughout the day to nice. showcase that space. Huh. Interesting. I, I'm I'm finally getting back to New York in a couple of months, so I'll, I'll have to make a point to oh, go yeah, down there a... and see that. As much as I kind of try to avoid Times Square, but it's you been know, a while, I... so I, I should go. I got to say, you know, in terms of sort of digital out of home, there's definitely been a, a sort of, you know, explosion of, of really gigantic displays now in, in Times Square. We've got that big THX board now with the stage doors yeah. that SNA put in uh, that I walk past almost every morning on my way to work uh, as I cut very quickly through uh, through Times Square to get to the other side. Zigzag around the tourists, although it's probably That's not it. first thing in the morning as much. Uh, it's amazing how early they get out there. <laughs> Sleep in. All right. So we're mentioning Times Square. The reason that we wanted to have a chat was to talk about the emergence and, and somewhat the explosion of, uh, first of all, anamorphic video or visual illusions on these big LED boards, but more to the point, uh, these visual illusions that don't actually exist that are being developed by brands using CGI artists and everything else and being presented as the real deal in some cases or being assumed as the real deal. And I, 
I have a problem with those uh, instances, which are, are frequent when stuff gets put up on LinkedIn or Twitter or other social media channels saying, well, look at this. Uh, look, look at this amazing thing in Dubai or wherever, or the, one of the most recent ones was this giant, I don't know how tall it was purported to be, like 80 feet tall or something, Barbie uh, near the Burj Khalifa. And people are going, oh my God, I have to see that. And I was going in on LinkedIn saying, well, it's not actually real. It's just a CGI <laughs> thing, guys. And uh, yeah. I think that's problematic, but you know, we've gone back and forth of this, on this and you said, well, it's it, it's it's actually pretty interesting and opportune. So what what what's your perspective on it? Well, I think it's interesting. You know, you bring up the anamorphic, you know, quote unquote, 3D uh, displays that have been happening on a lot of billboards around the world. And in some ways that kind of started this whole discussion, because I think one thing that that we both saw and a lot of people on LinkedIn and other places and Instagram and Twitter all were seeing were a mix of actual footage taken on the street of these displays uh, from that perfect viewing angle and mm -hmm. they looked really cool and really amazing and then there was and continues to be a number of uh comps that are you know cgi artist created uh content that is superimposed onto video of those same billboards uh sometimes really well and sometimes with you know less viability to them as they leave the frame of the billboard and things like that um and and in some cases being used by you know manufacturers and 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 resellers claiming to have 3D billboards or 3D LED mm -hmm. um you know which is is very misrepresentative and super problematic i think across the industry for everybody it creates false expectation it it limits your ability to uh, show off what actually is cool and possible. Uh, and, and I think just, you know, has, you know, creates a negative connotation across the board. Um, and at the same time, of course, like at Bravo, because we create a lot of, you know, original uh, experiences, we create a lot of comps for our clients all the time as a way to help explain and understand how something's going to look. We use it as part of our design process, uh, part of our creative process. Uh, and sort of the sort of next iteration of that. And I think honestly, the first one of these that I remember being in that, uh, space between, uh, a, a fake that many people thought was real was that Zara storefront, the Soho Zara mm -hmm. storefront, mm -hmm. um, which was again, a really well-crafted, uh, concept comp, uh, fantasy comp really, uh, which, you know, if for no other reason than once it was completed, the space seemed to have no doors, which is a, you know, a poor choice, you know, for retail. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, if you have a really killer window display and nobody can get in, it, it's a little, you know, self-defeatist. But, um, you know, then there were plenty of other reasons why it was, you know, impossible. Uh, the, you know, the artist that created it, I don't think created it with any intent to make people think it was real. Uh, that same artist has done plenty of other pieces similar to this and, and, and has a history of these sorts of works. Uh, and, but Zara did post it on their own Instagram with, without saying it wasn't real. Right. Uh, and, and I know people that went down there to see the store. Mm -hmm. uh, people that I thought were smarter than that, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I get it. You get wrapped up, you get excited. Yeah. And, uh, and 
I think the beauty of these sorts of uh, uh, comps uh, and 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 sort of fantasy uh, installations is that they are super inspirational and they are exciting and they're really fun. And then you kind of got to this next level where people started to, you know, I think over the last you know six or seven months, the biggest ones that I think people saw and some people bought into and some didn't, but all were put out there without a direct statement that they weren't real. There was the big Argentina billboard uh, uh, after the World Cup. Uh, there was the French bag company that I won't pronounce properly, that starts with a J, uh, that made uh, handbag cars that drove around Paris, uh, which looked great. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybelline did a mascara thing on subways and buses that looked like they had giant eyelashes. And then I think the one that really went super viral was that Barbie piece that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and in each case, uh, uh, oh, and, and, and Coach had a, had a fun piece for their new uh, Coachtopia um, right. pop-up. And so, uh, which also a number of people thought was real. And clearly they've never tried to get anything past, a, you know, a, a permitting board in New York City. Because uh, yeah. that wasn't going to happen. Well, and, um, and, and the person <laughs> even said, one of the people on LinkedIn said, you should go down and check it out. I know, it's And fantastic. I challenged him. I said, well, where are they going to check out? It's, it, yeah. it's, it's a comp. It's an AR thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and it's super fun. Um, yeah. And so, you know, what I think is exciting about it from our perspective is that, uh, first of all, I, you know, I don't think there's any value or any point <clears throat> And anyone involved in these projects directly in saying, hey, this is real when it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, is it, is it, does it, uh, is there a responsibility to somewhere on there loudly say this isn't real? You know, I don't know. They don't, they don't say that on the Fast and the Furious. Uh, but I don't know cars in outer space. Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess that Tesla's in outer space, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but. You know what it what it allows for one is it allows even small brands and challenger brands and and not for profits uh, to create the the experience of their dreams and to realize it at a fraction of the cost of of executing it in the real world and you know part of you know with out of home in general obviously you're first buying for those views on the street mm -hmm. but the bonus for out of home is if your content is so good that it gets picked up and shared on the internet uh, and across social media and picked up by the news. And when that happens, it's a massive boost. And so if you look at these current virtual digital out of home campaigns, uh, no, you're not getting those street views, but you're getting an exponentially higher number of impressions through social media. Uh, so I think in that way, it's, it's such a exciting way to explore what's possible and also to, to play around with reality. And, you know, if you watch those handbags driving around Paris and, and it feels real and it looks real, uh, then that's a great experience for you to have watching it. And, and the fact that it was, you know, uh, synthesized, uh, you know, doesn't make it any less fun or engaging than, than Fast and the Furious. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. 
We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. Does it matter if it's not technically possible or incredibly expensive to do if, if you did want to make it possible? Uh, I, I'm thinking of some of the ones where the, the anamorphic illusions, the physics don't work, the, uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the visual is escaping well beyond the borders of the display. Uh, to yeah. me, that, that's more pro- problematic. To some degree. Again, I think most of those that I've seen uh, start by somebody claiming it to be a real thing. Mm-hmm. And and that they have some special product that does it, and that I have a real problem with. The other question, and and this is probably more controversial, but uh, you know, uh, on video, you know, in theory, uh, brand X, oh, not X, God, oh, sorry, uh, brand <laughs> Z, um, could could uh, virtually take over every billboard in Times Square, yes, uh, and pay nothing. Mm-hmm. to the uh uh owners of those of those displays um as far as i know i don't know uh if those laws have been oh, written yeah <laughs> i think you're right guys ocean outdoor uh big uk digital at home media company big media owner has the piccadilly lights uh the, yeah. the big big ass display right in piccadilly square and or circus pardon me and they they put out something recently just saying, yeah, we, we do have a problem with this because you have companies who are appropriating our media space yeah. and presenting it as, as something that they booked and ran on it when yep. they didn't. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, because what, you know, in theory, what they're selling is digital out of home. And what I've done is made a video of the surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then, you know, can I, can I put, uh, you know, can I do a video where I put lipstick and a funny hat, uh, on the Statue of Liberty or can I, uh, you know, make it look like the Lincoln Memorial, uh, you know, has been dressed up for the circus. Oh Lord. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's, these are all, you know, there are, you know, there's always been a history of advertising stunts. Some mm-hmm. of which have been uh, more, uh, you know, moral or ethical. You know, Burger King did that AR takeover where it turned their competitors' logos and and things on fire. Oh, I missed uh, that one. Um, so you you know you'd point your phone in the McDonald's ad and it would you know be flame broiled or whatever. I can't remember exactly how it operated, but they impacted their competitors. You know, and again, like, mm-hmm. I opted into that. Uh, you know. Is that a I don't, you know, some, you know, probably some interesting court cases coming, I would guess, but, uh, or some, at least starting with some cease and desist letters, maybe. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you live in a very litigious country and, uh, I, do. <laughs> I, I wonder about those, uh, 
graphic artists, particularly if they're commissioned by a, uh, let's say a, 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 a fashion chain or whatever to, to, to do something. And they create a piece on a building that doesn't even have a display on it that some, some commercial property company has, and they see that, are they going to stick their lawyers on them and say, guys, you, you're, you're using my building as a, an out of home media. I guess, but you know, I I would counter that, you know, when a movie shoots in a city, every building's in that shot. And mm-hmm. that's part of my scenery that I'm using in my movie. They're not getting paid. Well, let's, let's see what happens. You just gave some lawyer an idea. I know. I hate that. <laughs> um, that was not the point of this conversation, Dave. <laughs> the point of this conversation was to inspire people and get excited about virtual digital out of home mm-hmm. and see the possibility. Uh, but I do think what I think is fun about it. And again, moving even beyond, you know, creating uh, virtual billboards or, or, or virtual content onto real billboards, some of the larger, more imaginative things you can do, the coach piece and the, the Maybelline piece and, and, and even to some degree, the Barbie piece, which honestly, that was so clearly CGI that I don't really feel like anybody can be upset that they were, that, that, that it was trying to be fooled. I mean, come on, it's an 80 foot woman with no, nothing behind her. Yeah, um, I think the Dubai Frame <laughs> one with Lionel Messi was more. Uh, I, I think that was more convincing to a whole bunch of people. That, yeah, it was. I got phone calls. Yeah. Uh, asking how they did it, and mm-hmm. uh, when you when said I, they didn't, I said, "Well, they didn't." I mean, they did. You know, that's the fun of it, right? Um, and uh, and also, you know, the whole thing with all these things are the ones that really are successful are successful because they look great. They're a really fun idea. They inspire, you know, a level of enjoyment and engagement. It's it's good advertising, mm-hmm. um, and I don't. I think it's and I think it's you know, uh, the few people that feel slightly tricked by it. I don't really think cause a negative brand impact. Should the like the whoever owns the Dubai frame? I don't know whether that's a municipal thing or or a private entity or whatever it may be. Should they be <clears throat> paid for that usage? Yeah, I, it's a good question, and, and at what level, and 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 by what metric? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, and I don't know what the line for that is. You know, people take videos in Times Square all the time, and and alter things, and change things, and post them on their feeds, and mm-hmm. you know, where's the you know where is it artistic expression? When you know, what am I allowed to do because it looks cool and fun? When you have something like uh, the Zara store or or the uh adidas Lionel messi thing in dubai those aren't cheap to produce uh to do them well as you were saying uh is does it tend to be the brands that are commissioning these things or do you have cgi artists like a shane fu who did the zara thing just doing this for giggles I think there's a mix, you know, I think we've certainly, we're currently working with a handful of clients on, you know, essentially virtual digital out of home, uh, campaign concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, these are clients that would never have the budgets to do these things for real. Uh, but do have the budgets to, to create the virtual version in a, you know, satisfying manner. Mm-hmm. And and it really allows them one to you know express themselves in ways 
and to and to create uh, experiences in ways that are uh, you know new and exciting and 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 get attention. So, does, does yeah. this stuff have a shelf life to it? And like, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, right now there, there's not that many of them. There's an increasing number, certainly, but it's still pretty new. At, at, at some point if you have a whole bunch of brands doing this, does it become an arms race where you somehow there have to be a little bit more outlandish? Otherwise it's, it just is like wallpaper, like other more conventional digital signage displays and digital out of home displays. I think, you know, not unlike the anamorphic content, I think that it's partly trend, uh, but when it's done really well and it, it's using the, you know, if you're going to use and if you're going to go with anamorphic display, it really helps to have a good reason to be doing it beyond I want it to look 3D, right? Mm-hmm. And and the best anamorphic pieces we've seen are really clever in the way that they take advantage of the illusion. Um, and it's really satisfying. And I think that's going to be the challenge. It's not so much outlandishness, I think. It's going to be the cleverness and the and the integration and the uh in in the same way that it would be true for any kind of real world uh activation mm-hmm. um you know i don't think i don't think that uh you know maybelline's going to get the same pop out of you know putting lipstick on a volkswagen uh after doing the you know the mascara on the buses mm-hmm. but uh I think there's another channel they could explore to find, to find another, you know, hit of attention. Yeah. I mean, as some of the 3d displays that I, I've seen, uh, just videos mainly is, you know, a, a watch that sort of the, the face of it kind of escapes the, the screen a little bit, or somebody walks up and kind of peers out over the edge of the screen down into the crowd or whatever. Yep. Yeah, they're kind of clever, but I, I really wonder how much impact they have. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think honestly, with any of these anamorphics, you on one hand, you're, you, you've got to be losing a certain number of impressions because it simply doesn't make the impression a valuable impression from a lot of angles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes a really big impression from the right angle. So right. there's that, there's that. Which is a very question. narrow angle. Very typically. narrow. Um, although uh i you know there's a, there's so many of these right now in new york and and you know i do think folks are sort of beginning to understand how to make things that have a slightly better uh slightly wider viewing angle by just not pushing the 3d illusion quite as deep mm-hmm. uh you can get away with it a little better but um you know obviously a big hope uh for doing these 3d boards is that somebody is filming them and sharing them uh uh, or the client is doing that uh, and and getting that extra engagement through uh, through social uh, and, and and you know I think that again you know loses its amazing value for just being seemingly three D and mm-hmm. now we're into the second wave of this where it actually has to be smart and interesting and relevant and all the things that good marketing and good advertising has to be to be successful regardless of the, you know, the channel that you're using. Yeah. I I was over in uh, Germany at a conference about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And one of the uh, 
presentations was from Ocean Outdoor, the UK media firm. Yeah. They, they're in some other countries as well. And they were talking about uh, 3D projects like that. And one of them was in a uh, shopping mall in in Denmark. And they, I, I asked them specifically, did you guys shoot this and socialize it out of your own channels to make sure that you had a really good, perfectly positioned camera angle on this thing? Uh, and you use that to amplify it because I, I, I wrote a piece about that one in particular because some, yep. some consumers shot it from an off angle and you could see how crappy it looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when they first started popping up before I saw my first one in New York, I was literally on LinkedIn begging people that live nearby to shoot at any of those from an <laughs> off angle yeah. just so people would understand. Not Again, this is nothing. A, I think it's cool as hell. I really love, we make anamorphic content. Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool. I love optical illusions in general. You know, we have a big history at Bravo of projection mapping, which is all about optical illusion. Mm -hmm. um, because I love tricking the brain without any magical technology. It's just the beauty of how our brains work and, and, and perspective. And it's, it's great. Uh, super cool. But, uh, you know, it really matters for people that are looking to utilize any of these technologies, you know, we're obviously we're almost at the end here. So I'm not going to mention the, the H word uh, holograms. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Ho holograms. Uh, there aren't any, um, yes. but uh, um, you know, it's important that people understand what the abilities and limitations of each of these platforms are so mm -hmm. that you can utilize them to their best effect. They're all cool. Pepper's Ghost is cool. Mm -hmm. Anamorphic is cool. I think virtual digital out of home is cool, but it can all be terrible. <laughs> Real easy um, yeah. if it's not used right. Yeah, and, and sometimes the, the the best application is not the one with the most whiz bangery about it. It's just it's just right for the environment. And I, I think yeah. of you know what you were talking about with projection mapping, and I I love jobs where uh the projection mapping is very subtle and it just kind of appears on a wall that in an unexpected way and it's not it's not flashy or anything yep. else it's just like oh where'd that come from yep it makes you look i think the whole notion you know in in the video game world there's this history of easter eggs these sort of things hidden mm -hmm. in the game that are special if you know to look uh, or if you stumble upon them. And I really think within the whole world of experiential marketing and out of home and, you know, those little moments of discovery can be so powerful and so meaningful. And, and I totally agree the, you know, relevancy and meaningfulness and, and relationship to the environment and all those things are really what makes something effective. It's, it's not necessarily the biggest, loudest, flashiest thing. Mm -hmm. It is the, like the stuff that was done for coach, uh, for coach Topio with this giant Rube, Goldberg machine kind of spitting out handbags uh, off the side of the building. Uh, is that a more viable way to do augmented reality? Because uh, I've always wondered what percentage of the population is going to reliably view the outside world through their six inch smartphone screen. Yeah. You know, again, I think with a lot of the AR stuff in general, it's it uh one of my favorite clients from back in the day, a woman named Bernadette Castro, used to just always ask me no matter what we were gonna do for us, she'd do for her, she'd say, Well, I don't know, David, is the juice worth the squeeze? And uh and I love that. And I think about it all the time. 
And, uh, and I think with AR, you're asking people to go through this extra step and, and the juice has to be worth the squeeze. And uh, if it's, if it, again, uh, if it reveals something that's interesting and, and, and meaningful and relevant uh, and, and rewards you in some way for that participation, then I think people will do it. Um, but I think a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of AR projects go uh, largely unviewed because mm-hmm. they're just not, it's just not worth the lift. Yeah, and it's a little bit of eye candy that uh, people look at. And go, well, that was kind of fun, but right. But you, you they'll know, give it ten seconds, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's getting more viable. You know, web AR is getting better, uh, and meaning there, you know, you're not downloading an app, you're not, uh, you know, going through all that rigmarole. But you know, the other thing is you're still relying on available bandwidth wherever you're standing, and at least in the U.S., that can often not be enough. Uh, and that's a larger issue with all the AR stuff and all of the digital, uh, extensions to, to, to out of home, you know, is, uh, the cooler that experience wants to be, the more bandwidth it's going to require. And that's not always available. Mm-hmm. Last question. I'm curious if, if all this stuff that's been emerging is leading to new business because, people come at you saying, we'd like to do this. And you have to tell them, well, what they did at the Zara store isn't really possible because you need a door to get into the store. Right. But, but it, does it open up new conversations and new opportunities? Oh, absolutely. And honestly, we spend so much of our time just sort of educating. And, and, and for us, it's been really important from the beginning. You know, we don't, I don't sell any particular hardware and I don't, uh, I don't have stock in any particular platform. And so for us, you know, being able to uh, understand and communicate the opportunities with projection mapping versus LED versus LCD or, or the conversation I had yesterday with a client about the giant refrigerators. Uh, um, I call them shower stalls. Yeah. Um, I just always think everyone looks, everyone has to be very, very cold. Um, uh, or wet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't sell those directly. I think there's, a, a again, like I've said, there's a place for all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we really love is to have that opportunity to share all of these cool opportunities that are out there and to really help our clients select the solution that's really going to move the dials for them that they need to move. Uh, yeah, and then, figure out the problem as opposed to how can I use this thing? Right, because nobody cares what the thing is when they're when they're having the experience. All they yeah. care about is the experience. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that experience with a ten dollar piece of something and it, it's and it's powerful and meaningful, then you should do that, not do the ten thousand dollar one if if uh, if it's not as good a fit. Yeah, two hundred dollar Pico projector, not the uh, two hundred thousand dollar video wall. You know, again, there's a time and a place for all of these things, and and it really is about understanding, you know, what you're trying to do first, like you said, and then finding the solutions that are out there. All right, David, thank you. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really appreciate it. That was great. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 169, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill like a lot of this stuff out there. 
If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.